You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 132 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I've been busy, but I'm looking forward to getting snuck, not snuck, getting stuck <laughs> into this snapshot, which is, of course, one of our mini-sodes that we have in between our regular programming. And today we're talking about how to nail focus on a portrait mm. and where to find assistance. Yeah. Now, the first one in particular is very, very interesting to me because – as you well know, Gina, mm. <laughs> this is one of my problems. Yes. I don't seem to, you know, even though the person is not even running or moving, they're just standing there and they're fairly still, for some reason I do have a tendency not to nail the focus on portraits. And, of course, yes, I'm also interested in where to find assistance. It might be a while before I need to do that, but I know that a lot of our listeners could definitely be in a position where they're ready to find assistance as well. So let's start with um, how to nail focus on a portrait. I believe this was inspired by a post in the Facebook group. And of course, if you are a listener and you want to join our Facebook group, then all you need to do is go on Facebook and search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and ask to join. It's free to join and it's where a lot of our listeners hang out and we share photos and um, ask questions and get advice and it's a great nurturing group to hang out with other like-minded people. So what is this post about that inspired this topic, Gina? So firstly, uh, Val, when you talk about not, not being able to get the focus, you're not alone. This is yeah. <laughs> a problem that many new photographers share and I know I struggled with focus for a long, long time. So uh, hopefully we can help a lot of people with this post. And because this is a, a snapshot, if you want more detail about nailing focus, uh, head to check out Ep 130 Sharpshooter in the podcast archives and we do cover a lot of the other uh, reasons why your focus might be off as well. So that that's a really good episode to get into. But uh, Danette Zach sent ep, ep, in. Episode uh, 130 is, yeah, isn't sharp, about shut. Is sharpshooter? No, no, that's about focal length oh, and sorry, smoking a kit. 30, it's, episode 30, oh, I beg Episode 30, Val. okay, yes, awesome. I knew it had a 30 in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good Rain Man-ish for me to just pull it out of my head yeah, like that though, Val, don't good. you think? Very um, good. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Danette Zach wrote in and shared some images uh with the community and uh, talks about how when she went to print the images, she noticed that many of them were just a little bit out in the focus. And this is so mm. common where it like that when you first take the shot, it looks great.
great, but then you zoom in and you realize that you've actually focused on the shoulder and missed the eyes or, you know, the, the wall behind the person is in focus and the eyes aren't mm-hmm. sharp. So, uh, at, you know, in, in her post she writes about feeling inadequate as a photographer and, uh, and Danette, that's not the case. This is something that's very, very common and there's some just very simple little hacks you can apply when shooting that will help you overcome this problem. So uh, shall we dive in, Val? Yeah, absolutely. Very keen to know this. Go on. But actually, before we go on, let me ask you, how did you, you said that you struggled with focus for a long time. How did you eventually figure it out? So the way I figured it out was like I stopped putting all this mystery on how the camera actually focused and started to really understand what the camera does to focus because like we we kind of uh, put all our faith in like pointing the camera at at an area and hoping that it will focus. But if you understand a little bit about how the actual autofocus system on a camera works and you know the best case scenario for getting sharp focus and some little hacks that you apply, then you're going to nail your focus every time. So when I started doing that and the game changer for me, Val, was when Mm. I started moving my focus points. Uh, And so the way a lot of new photographers are taught to focus is there is a default setting on most cameras, which is the central uh, point in the camera is Mm. the focus point. So you focus in the middle and so if you've got a a subject if you're photographing a person and they might be to the side of that focus point well when you focus in the middle and there's say something in the distance behind the person the camera's going to focus on that point not the Mm. person and Mm. so that's when the frustration comes in especially when you're shooting very shallow depth of field so a lot of photographers are taught early on that if you want to get the person off to the side in focus, what you do is you move the center point over the person's face, uh, get your focus, and then recompose and shoot. So you lightly depress the shutter, get your focus, and uh, and then recompose your image and shoot. And that's called yes. the focus and recompose technique. Now that's this what works. most people are taught. That's, yes, that's what most people are taught. Now this is a really good technique if you're shooting uh, static objects that that might not move slightly but when you're shooting people you've got to remember that the person standing there isn't always going to stay completely um rigid in that spot and they Mm. might move forward or back slightly they might be talking and especially if you're shooting a very shallow depth of field you the the person could move slightly and uh you you focused on their nose rather rather than their eye or the Mm. focal plane that you thought is where their eye was has actually shifted because the person's moved so it's not an entirely accurate way of doing it. And the best way to do it is to select a single shot focus AF and move the focus point over the place that you want in focus. And so there's a really uh, simple way to do that. And that's by uh, changing to uh, an AF point selection. So most DSLR cameras give you the option of doing that. So you've either got um, the option to select 
collect the AF point yourself or you hand over the controls to the camera, Hans, who controls the camera and give the camera the option of automatic selection. So when you've got automatic selection, all the focus points uh, in the camera are um, available and the camera will decide where you want to shoot. But how does the camera know what you want in focus? Is what I, I don't, don't understand. Know. So <laughs> you're telling, you're saying, okay, camera, this is the scene that I'm photographing. There may or may not be a person there. Some, some of the smarter cameras have face detection, but you could have a mural behind your person which has a yeah. face on it, and the camera will select that. So uh, my suggestion is uh, every camera is slightly different, but you want to go into AF uh, point selection. So uh, look it up, and there's there's lots of uh, forums online with your particular model of camera that will walk you through how to do it. Now, if you are fairly new to your camera or fairly new to photography and you've just discovered it recently, you may or may not know that this is actually an option. Yeah. that you don't have to just go to that little um, central focus point. If you change your setting, you will find that there are, you know, up to, say, 16, sometimes even more, dots 52. on your – Or 52, yeah, dots on your screen. And any one of those dots on your screen spreads through the entire horizontal viewfinder can be a focal point and you can adjust which dot is your focal point. So the exact dot over that person's eye or whatever is – something you can choose. So definitely go look it up and see whether your camera has this function because I have met countless hobby photographers who this was news to them. <laughs> yeah, this was news to them. It's like the greatest day of your life when you find out. I can actually still remember what I was wearing and where I was standing Are you when serious? it happened. Oh, serious. It's like when I heard the first Madonna uh, single, Like a Virgin. I can remember where I was and what I was doing. You know, it's what one of those. Pivotal, uh, I was actually studying for uh, an exam at the time, and I remember oh seeing God. that song come on, Like a Virgin, and thinking, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I've, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have moments like that with music where you've seen someone and, you know, it was downhill from there, sadly, from Madai. She did. She was pretty good for the, about the no, next five years. she was years. great for like Yeah, amazing. We, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was the Herb Ritz era the, where yes, he filmed, oh, my God, amazing. But, like, I, I digress, Val, as we Yes, do. but the other night, because my partner and I, we play Stop the Music on um, the video channels where we have to guess by the first note or the first two notes. Um, you know, what the song is. And the other oh, night um, oh. it flashed on the screen and the note hadn't even started and I just went, Cherish Madonna, because you oh, could just recognise oh, the, 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 the Herb Ritz yes. um, lighting yes. in, in, in the video um, <laughs> immediately. And so I won the Stop the Music that night. Thank, thank you, Herb Ritz. We anyway. were still at a Madonna trivia night. I reckon. Oh, it's so good. That would be amazing. Someone, please. Uh, Madonna <laughs> trivia night, I'll be there. Uh, okay. All right, anyway. so the difference between um, the, the, the way you can tell if your camera is set to AF point selection or automatic selection is when you depress the shutter and look through the viewfinder, if you're in automatic, all the focus points are lit up and uh, a lower end DSLR will have fewer focus points and the higher end DSLRs mm. have many more, like up mm. to 70 uh, focus points. And when you're on AF point selection, you have a, a little joystick 
uh, somewhere around where the shutter is that you can move around and move the focus points around. So I use my thumb and uh, just uh, move the focus point around and place it over the eye or the area that I want to focus in. So very, very handy, will change your life, well worth um, so uh, checking out and using. If you, you you keep saying focus over the eye, obviously if you're focus if you're, you know, taking a portrait um, and a lot of people, and that's something I learned from you quite a while ago to that if you are doing that, then you should focus on the eye. But a lot of people do think that, you know, as long as the person, wherever it is that they're focusing on the person is in focus and that's okay. But then you do get a situation where, especially if it's shallow depth of field, that the collar, which you might've focused on is in perfect focus, but the eye isn't. Why? My question is, do you think you should focus on the eye in particular? Okay, so A, it's a good habit to get into. Uh, so some people, if you're shooting at a uh, narrower depth of field, so a higher um, number on the aperture, so F, F, uh, F, 5.6, 8, 11, 16 and higher. Mm-hmm. If you focus on the collar, chances are that the eye will be in focus because you've got a um, a much deeper depth of field. Like mm-hmm. every, everything in the in the frame is in uh, focus when you're mm-hmm. shooting at a, at a higher number. But if you're shooting at a wider aperture, shallower depth of field, chances are that uh, even if, you, if you're shooting with a long lens at f5.6, the focus point is going to start to drop off a little bit beyond where the collar is. So by the time Mm. it gets to the eye, the eye is going to be out of focus. And here's where a lot of uh, new photographers get into trouble. Like everyone wants to shoot with that beautiful shallow depth of field. So they'll get their first fast lens and it'll be like maybe the nifty 50, which is at at, at like 1.8. They want to shoot at 1.8 because they get that beautiful uh, bokeh blurry background and mm. they get and they forget to focus on the eyes they'll just place the focus point uh, somewhere on the body and what happens is the eyes are going to be out of focus so mm. my advice to start with is going back to the peeling potatoes protocol. So it's basically when you're learning to do a new activity, don't put yourself under pressure. Let's get the hang of the camera first and get the hang of um, um, composing and focusing first. So I recommend that when you're just starting out, maybe and shooting portraits, start at a higher f-stop. So say 5.6 or f8 and just like nail the focus to start with. And when you're getting comfortable Mm. and you feel more comfortable moving the focus points around then slowly drop your aperture back a bit so if it's a really important shot uh, it's not the time to be shooting at f1.2 I have very (laughs) I have very fast lenses and if I know I have to get the shot this is not the time for me even with you know nearly 30 years experience to shoot at 1.2 because I know I'm not I'm not going to get the focus every time and if you want to nail the shot you need to go up slightly higher in f-stop to make sure that you absolutely are going to get it Uh, a couple of other things so so that's the the peeling potato protocol learn to peel the potatoes first before you go on to making the 
filet mignon, Val. So start with narrow apertures. Work off a tripod. That's going to help you um, keep your focus locked in. So when you're starting on, work with a tripod or support yourself in some way so you're not moving around as much. Um, mm. Always focus over the eyes. Enable your single point focus selection and uh, look for the light that indicates that you have uh, locked onto that point. So be aware of what's going on in the screen. I know there's a lot of lights and things happening when you're you know, first learning to shoot, a lot going on, but that's one thing that I'm still to this day looking for, that little uh, AF uh, that I'm locked on, that little light goes on to tell me that I am locked on. Some cameras will also have a little beep, which is really annoying, but hmm. it's a really good thing to help train you as you're starting out. You hear that beep, you know you're locked on. So that, that that's sort of a, a comforting as well. The camera's mm. telling you you're locked on. The other thing, the, there is a couple of things that bamboozles the camera's autofocus. Um, and so shooting very brightly backlit areas are going to confuse the camera because it, it uh, the way that the camera's AF focus system works is it looks for contrast to focus. So it's looking oh, for yeah. areas of contrast. So if you've got a very bright, backlit area, the camera's going to struggle to find uh, an area to lock onto and that's where you get that searching going on. So try and avoid, try and look for um, nicely, brightly lit subjects to start off with and that's going to help you nail your focus as well. So once you've got uh, the hang of AF focus points uh, on narrower apertures, try opening up to a wider aperture and have a play around with that and as you get better uh, and you, your confidence um, in, improves, then you can um, start sort of really testing out uh, the system and, and, again, shooting wide open. Uh, on that note, uh, lenses at full zoom and wide open are not going to be as sharp as shooting. Uh, so if you've got a 70 to 200, sort mm-hmm. of stick around. Don't go to full 200 because it's not it's not going to be as sharp yep. as shooting around 150 or 175. So restrict go going to full zoom and also a lens uh, wide open is not going to be as sharp as maybe two stops down. That tends to be the sweet spot in most lenses. So if your widest aperture is, say, 2.8, then mm. maybe start at 5.6. It's right. going to be slightly sharper until you get the hang of it, until you work out these techniques. To but if you've got 70 to 200 and you're shooting at 200, um, but maybe you're shooting shooting at f22 is that safer so again f22 is the other extreme on the lens so either ends of the lens are not going to be as sharp as two stops down from the end and two stops up from the uh, widest open so like sort of avoiding the extremes of lenses is also going to help and again we're talking uh several b's pippies here valerie as a (laughs) as a accurate measurement uh but when when you're trying to really nail focus these things make all the difference so like you know you might there may be people saying oh i shoot at 200 all the time and i shoot wide open and i do uh and i can get it sharp but if you want to get like you know if it's a real you want to get absolute absolute sharp 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 and you want everything in your favor then these are things to avoid and think about because you know like if you're shooting a billboard Add it up, like they, they add up, Valerie. Okay, yes. make it like <laughs> we don't want to know thing. what it makes. That's okay. Thanks. 
<laughs> the other thing that may help if your eyesight uh, is, and let's face it, uh, I don't think anyone has 20-20 vision anymore with, um, you know, staring at screens all day long. Uh, mm-hmm. I think everyone's eyes are deteriorating. So uh, what can really help you see as well is uh, just by using the diopter on a camera, which is a little dial next to the viewfinder that you can you can uh, change the, the strength of that dial. It's just like putting glasses on your camera so you can dial that in and uh, it'll help you see a bit better Um, little diopter on the side of the view piece might be a help awesome love it okay and um as someone who has trouble focusing i also think that uh, one of the earliest points that you made about using a tripod is massive because i really had no idea how unsteady my hands were until i saw the difference you're using a tripod and not using a tripod and clearly i just have i just don't have steady hands so yeah it's a good idea you just want to have everything going for you when you're starting out so you don't get discouraged you do that get that confidence up it gets easier and then you know at some point you may ditch the tripod altogether because you've uh developed some um some muscles there in your arm you know how to hold the camera and uh you just feel a bit more sure of yourself and you make it easier on yourself or you end up like me and um overcompensate with five thousand tripods exactly all right all right so let's move on then to um, what's our next What's our next topic? Where to find assistance? Yeah, so Mandy Miller writes that she's keen to build up a small network of people who I can reach out to on an ad hoc basis. I'm going to contact some local schools that teach photography, but I don't think there are any geographical clothes. So any tips on where do you find assistance? Mm. And uh, this is a great question, and I think it's a really good thing to uh, have as much help as you can when you're shooting because uh, – it's just good to have an extra set of eyes. It's good mm. to have someone else uh, helping you carry the gear. So you'll you'll think about bringing more gear. It's great to have someone to hold a reflector or if you're shooting with daylight and it's also good to have someone uh, holding a light and helping you with all that. So, And uh, I think um, assistants are worth their weight in gold and I, I love all mine dearly. They, they, they're just such a, a huge help to me. So you can start again, uh, start slowly here. Uh, if you're just starting out, uh, like uh, an assistant can range in price from free to mm. <laughs> or, a, or a slab, which is the Aussie way to pay uh, free. <laughs> or a six and that pack. is a slab of beer, as in a case of beer. <laughs> or a six-pack. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, th- so they can start for, for free. Uh, there are lots of photographers who you may think that you're only starting out, but someone who has never done any photography as well, to, to them you look like – um, you know that they could learn something from you. So, so um, it's a good idea to start with maybe uh, students who are studying photography. Uh, I've I've had great success by using uni students who are not necessarily photographers, but uh, mm. just looking for some um, some uh, sort of uh, paid work. So often when I'm travelling, I might find uh, that like the hotel where I'm staying in, I might ask if they've got a couple of uh, uni students that can help out when I'm doing a shoot. So I've got my main assistant and I might have another couple of others just so to help me. So do you mean they're not, 
they're not, they're not photography students, student, but they're just helping out. So right, like, they're okay, carrying so things. Yeah. So there's 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 also friends. A lot of people in the Facebook group uh, talk about bringing their spouses along to shoots. I'd do this with caution. <laughs> <laughs> with someone just driving off and you're left at the uh, location because yeah, I would not you know, take my them, partner on a shoot. <laughs> you know, because you bring all the all the arguments with you on the on the location. What, do you, the way you looked at me then, did that mean you didn't like what I was I heard what you were saying, I can read your mind, you know, and then you have a full blown argument in front. It's not not cool really. Um to the more experienced where you've got a, uh, a professional assistance and they do exist and they're amazing and they often come with a full kit of extra like bits of gear. They might have their own lighting. They, they, they have local knowledge and they're amazing. So they range from uh, zero to maybe $500 a day, I think is the, the most I've paid. So mm-hmm. uh, in order to find some more experienced photographers and you can find exper- experienced assistants, sorry, uh, of all different levels, so there's there's like lugger, which is someone who carries gear but doesn't do much more than that, to someone mm-hmm. who has a, a little bit of photography knowledge, so might be able to um, set up lights and uh, use them. And then there's a more experienced to digital operator, who is someone who can manage all your files for you, do everything, but. Uh, do the shoot for you you know they're, they're that competent so there's all those different levels some good places to look is uh, the high, uh, uh, photography hire studio studios often have assistance registers where they have uh, a, a lot of a list of uh, assistants who they've worked with who have worked through that studio and they also list uh the other photographers that they've worked with and the gear that they're um, they're savvy with and all the um, software that they use as well. So these are also good questions to ask. If you're doing a higher-end job and you're looking for an assistant, it's always a good idea to ask what 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 gear are you familiar with and what mm-hmm. software are you familiar with and what other photographers have you worked for. Another good place to go is ask other photographers. So it's a really good idea as a photographer to build a network of photography friends yes. who are people that you can Definitely. Um, share ideas with, uh, get help with. We're all in this together. The industry is big enough. We're not competing with each other. We should support each other. Many of the photographers uh, that the, in Australia that uh, should on paper are rivals are actually uh, some of my best friends and we often call each other up and uh, ask each other for advice and uh, if I'm mm. ever at a pinch I will call any of them and I'm like um, can you recommend a couple of assistants this is the job I'm doing and they'll say okay well David be great for that or Tony or Steve or you know they've always got names like that in Australia so um, <laughs> no 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 John I Jono, Miko, and Steve-O. So it's it's always a good idea to ask for references as well. And uh, it's, yeah, and always like just because uh, an assistant is charging a higher rate uh, doesn't mean that he's going to be better than an assistant that's charging a lower rate. So Mm. ask lots of questions and see if you can find out if they have mentioned other photographers that these people have worked with. It's a good idea to give that other photographer a call and say, hey, uh, Dave says he's worked with you. Do you think he'd be good for this? 
this sort of job uh, and mm. they'll either say, yeah, he's amazing or like, you know, well, maybe not for that. He's better at this sort of thing. So uh, information is power. So that, And uh, the other one is, did I mention uh, Facebook groups? There are many photography Facebook groups that uh, you could also um, look for assistance. I know in the podcast community, uh, many of the photographers in that community have uh, found assistance within the, the community and, and uh, assisted each other, yes. And they've assisted each other, yes. so uh, which is fantastic. There's a couple of uh, s- several great teams going on there at the mm. moment, uh, which makes me really happy to see. Yep. So there you go, Val. I love it. That's a fantastic snapshot this week, Gina. Um, really, really useful. Um, and I'm sure that listeners are going to get a lot out of both topics as well. So just remember, everyone, head on over to GinaMilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And sign up to Gina's awesome newsletter, which comes out every fortnight and is packed full of fantastic stuff. And the newsletter subscribers are always the first to know about any new ideas or courses or offers or, you know, just resources. And importantly, regular free Lightroom presets, which are only available for free to newsletter subscribers of Gina's newsletter. So make sure you um, you head on over and sign up there. In the meantime, Gina, apart from your website, where can we find you online? So uh, Gina Militia, uh, at Gina Militia on Twitter, at Gina Militia on Instagram, and I'm on Pinterest as well, Gina Militia, and you can find me on YouTube as well. Guess what? That's called Val. Gina, Gina Militia. Militia. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Gina is spelt the regular way, G-I-N-A, Militia, What's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. Excellent. Uh, and you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram, and both Gina and I are always in the Facebook group as well, so make sure you um, connect with us there. All right, that's it for this week's Snapshot. We look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.